Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Rowatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who's never taken the paddle boat all the way up the river. <laughs> I am the young glass, and and the problem is uh, I'm very bad at paddle boating. Uh, like right. put me on a bicycle, I'll go forever, uh, or or you know a maximum of thirty five miles, <laughs> or for or ever, however until you pass out, right? Yeah. Um, uh, the funny but, thing uh, about this is this applies to more than one movie we've watched for this podcast. <laughs> paddle boats going up river. Yeah. What was that one? Was it? Um, was it, who? What movie was that? It was the documentary about the making of the movie about the paddle boat. Oh yeah, uh, you're you're talking about the burden of dreams. <clears throat> yeah, uh, the documentary about uh, uh, Herzog's film about moving a uh, steamship over a mountain. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, uh, it, it's rare that we get that kind of synergy on this podcast where an intro could apply to more than one movie. It's true. It's true. It will get less rare the more films I, we watch, though, I'm sure. Well, yeah, I mean, at some point we'll probably hit a critical mass where every <laughs> single one could apply to at least one other movie. Yes, exactly. And at that point, I don't know what will happen. Probably, like, one of us or both of us will turn into stars. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we will become beings of pure energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about, like, <clears throat> celebrities. I'm talking yeah. about bean yeah. balls of, of, of plasma. And, uh, and, yeah, we will become one with the podcast and with each other. <laughs> so we, we will become unity and then uh the podcast will just start essentially releasing itself right right but it'll be us and this this analogy if we're not very careful could get real gross real i mean fast. i assume at that point we stop <clears throat> we stop going through itunes and just beam directly into people's brains well i i kind of assume we'll be everywhere <clears throat> Will be omnipresent. Um, I've seen enough sci-fi to know that when you do become a being of pure energy, you are everywhere at the same time, as though that is a property of energy. <laughs> I, I it's a weird thing. Like I've watched a lot of Stargate in my life, and a weird thing is at some point Stargate decided that you, uh, in their fiction, that like some group of of creatures at some point attained pure energy status. Okay, and then as a function of that, they. And the other sci-fi does this as well. They made the argument that, like, well, then now they're everywhere. And I'm like, that's not how electricity works. Um, yeah, but it is how a concept of, of energy, energy works. See, energy well, is yeah, everywhere. But, and since they are yeah, pure energy. Technically true. Technically true. I mean, it's not, though. I mean, there are, there, there is, I mean, to varying degrees, um, you you could theoretically... It is po- it is conceivable you could achieve a, a zero energy state. It'd just be impossible for us. But like, I don't know. It's just a weird thing. But also, like, they're not. They don't become the concept of energy. They just become pure energy. <laughs> like, it's very, very like ah, we became conceptual, <laughs> which is really more of a really more of a. Uh, That's my dream. Uh. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, me too. To become purely conceptual, <clears throat> though, I suppose uh, any dead human is now purely conceptual. So that's true. We are all working towards pure conception. Yeah, he is the idea of Adam Glass. <laughs> now he is no longer actually Adam Glass. <laughs> my my dream is not unattainable. It is just to be dead. <laughs> yeah, just just to take a little more time and become dead eventually. Turns out, <laughs> working on it every day. Uh, Pat, before we get into our film this week, I want to talk about our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. Hey, uh, there's a lot of people who need money in this world. <laughs> uh, give it to them. But if you have a little extra uh, for just a dollar a month over there, uh, you, you can get a bonus episode. It's a non-criterion movie. You get access to the current episode. You get to vote on what the next episode is going to be. And you get access to the entire back catalog of bonus episodes. Uh, we watch a lot of interesting stuff over there, a uh, real variety of stuff, even perhaps yeah. a wider variety of stuff than the Criterion Collection gives us. Which and is the hard to believe, honestly. Gives yeah. us a pretty wide variety of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, 
We've watched uh, Ernest Goes to Camp. We've watched Dog Day Afternoon. We've watched Aliens and Critters, too. Uh, yeah, just uh, just a, a real treat over there and always fun. Uh, well, usually fun. Um, <laughs> I mean, sometimes fun. Sometimes it's we punish really, ourselves. It's real hit or miss. I think you've done a better job recently of creating lists of movies we might actually enjoy. Yeah. Rather than subtle forms of torture. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's nice. I want to give people the possibility of torturing us, which is why. Well, I mean, always... that's why Kazam's always on the list, yeah, right? Kazam I mean, is always Kazam's the on, there on the list. Because, because presumably, at some point, we could create, we could, we could hit a critical mass of of uh, sadists. Yeah, who just want to watch Kazam? Every... Just make us watch that yeah, forever. Yeah. Every every day, every day, every day. <laughs> is that going to be an option? Like, oh. <laughs> If you if we hit this tier on our Patreon, we'll watch Kazam every, every day. day. It'll be a daily podcast of us It'll watching just be Kazam. a picture from Clockwork Orange. It'll be horrible. <laughs> It'll yeah. Uh, no, I'm not making that promise, but maybe someday. Uh the the critical mass that's, on that's that that's a seven thousand dollar tier. Well the the critical mass on that would have to be that we'd be bringing in enough money that both of us could get, quit our day jobs. So like Well, I mean, but that like like Let's be clear here. The critical mass on that would be very high because not only would it have, we have we have to like could quit our day job, I'd have to be convinced to want to quit my day job, <laughs> right? Right. With a job I very much enjoy. So you like the amount of money you would have to pay me to be like you're not going to be a teacher anymore and be like um I guess a cool mill a month. I don't know. Like right. I don't know what that number is. Right. It's very high. It is very high. Uh so good luck with that, Patreon supporters. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion if you want to push us toward that goal. Where yeah, where I promise if you give us enough money that Pat and I uh, can be convinced to uh, to, to <laughs> yeah, live on just that money. Quitting our day job. Uh, we will, watch, we will watch and release an episode a day <laughs> of us doing Kazam. What a fucking weird what a nightmare podcast it would be. Like it's worse than any of those other ones that are like that, where they like watch the same thing over and yeah. over. Because it's like every day would be would mm-hmm. actually be torture. There have been. Be like, can you imagine being like even day five would be like oh my. There have been God. there have been blog uh, blog projects where they watch the same movie daily for a month, uh, but uh, but to release a podcast a day is just too much too much release anyway. <laughs> it's like a lot of overhead yeah. and like yeah, I mean yeah. it would be a very short podcast presumably. But like, can you like? But like, think about it though. Like, eventually, eventually it would just be us saying no movie over and over again every episode. Yeah, it's just like yeah, just a bunch of or a bunch of a bunch of random gibberish. It's not yeah. even sentences anymore. Yeah. You and I just come on and make weird monkey noises, right? Uh, like, all right, well, that's the end of that episode. <laughs> Good job, team. Man. But like, but like, can you imagine like what would like. The the seventh day of Kazam be like. Oh man, I'd how be... hard would that be to do? I feel like I feel like day seven we'd bottom out, but uh, but it might become fun again by day twenty one, and then just roller coaster in in wider like... and wider <laughs> gulfs. Uh... Yeah, yeah, no kidding. By the time you get to several months of that, like once every so often, it would be it'd be sort of manically hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Like not actually funny, but just like in, yeah. a, in a terrifying manic yeah. sort of way. Oh God! I mean, I guess at that point though, I'm not working anymore, so like it's so only two hours out of a day where I'm not doing. Like I get for in exchange for like an hour and a half plus recording, so like two hours. Yeah. So in exchange for like three and a half hours of my day, I literally have the rest of the day totally free. Yeah, that's. But for that three hours, I'm tortured, <laughs> like like some sort of fucking science project. That's a see. That's the that's a would you rather that needs to. Oh yeah, I mean, but, but like we've just described, definitely a speculative fiction novel, right? Like, <laughs> right, where you're tortured for three hours a day, but the rest of the day you just get the day off to just do whatever you want, right? Uh, Patreon.com/slash/LostInCriterion. Uh, a little above that one dollar mark, and that one dollar mark uh, marks. It's fun. We got a lot of one dollar supporters, and very happy with them. A little above that, all five dollars a month. We promise to thank those people on air. Uh, and thank you to Adam Speakerman for getting $5 support. You've been around for a long time, and yes, we thank greatly you. appreciate that. A bit above that, $10 a month, we do something that is really special. Uh, Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we've watched recently. 
I usually I'm from the so main podcast. I'm so excited for the next month. I'm so excited. I'm so, oh my god! I'm glad you're very excited. Because I've got, I've already got it all planned. I'm so <laughs> excited. I've been itching to do this one. I can't. I, I've, oh, I can't. Like, I can't. Like, I even made a note to myself so I wouldn't forget what the exact phrase is. <laughs> So like, I'm, I'm so, so happy excited. about that. Pack. It's going to take very... me five minutes to make ten at most. Yeah. It's going to be my favorite postcard we've ever made. <laughs> I'm very happy about that as well. Uh, but that ten dollar a month, Pat makes a piece of art. I get it printed up on a postcard and uh, and mail that off with a little personalized thank you note or a last musing about the film or 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 what's going on in our lives over here. Uh, but we also like to thank those people on air, $10 in a month supporters, Jason Westhaver and Michael McGrath. Thank you so much. Yes, for thank you so much. Support. Yeah. Hey friends, Adam Glass here. I don't interrupt the podcast all that often, but a quick editor's note for this one before we get down to the movie. Uh, in the uh, next little bit, I frequently uh, say Bedouin when I mean Turig. Uh, while they are both nomadic peoples, they are different nomadic peoples. <laughs> The Bedouins principally in the Middle East and the Torig, who we're actually talking about in the movie Jericho, are in Northern Africa. So, uh, oops, sorry about that, and let's, uh, you know, try to better understand the world around us. Better than I do, at least. Back to the show. This week, we are continuing our Paul Robeson Portraits of the Artist box set. Uh, disc this week is Paul Robeson Pioneer. Uh, with the films Sanders of the River and Jericho. Sanders of the River uh, is a 1935 British film directed by Zoltan Korda, and Jericho is uh, 1937, directed by Ta- uh, rather Thornton Freeland. Uh, both principally star Paul Robeson, uh, though Sanders of the River, he is not the titular character, uh, which is a weird, which is like step one of weirdness, right? right? Right. Like, he's not the titular character, but this is very much a movie about his character. Right, right. Sanders is by far the worst film in this box set. Period. Sanders might be one, like, on a, on a like, not on a filmmaking level, like, it's fine from a film craft perspective. Yeah. But from a, like, just... Um, ideology level. standpoint yeah. might be one of the worst movies we've ever watched. Right. <laughs> like in all in all honesty, I mean, I'm not even really being hyperbolic here. Like most of the movies we've watched that, because of the nature of the Criterion Collection, have had elements of this stuff, but they've been sort of incidental. They've yeah. been like a thing where a where an artist or creator didn't realize they were making something kind of gross. Yeah. Whereas. This one is 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 actively pursuing that goal. Like it it is it is made with the express purpose of of making like promoting and uh its final uh, product aggrandizing. is that yeah, purpose. I understand that. I know it is not necessarily made with that express purpose. I but. well, but yeah, I and I understand that. We watched the documentary, the documentary made yeah. very clear how and how that came to pass. Yeah. But let's let's be clear here that that parts of it became that way beyond the creator's control. Right. But this was very much a pro empire movie right from day one. That is also fair. Like like that whole title card that is the saddest thing I've ever read in my entire fucking life that is ever, probably some of the saddest words that have ever been written by a human being on a piece of paper. Yeah. Uh, that that was an addition to make it even more pro empire, right? Uh, but the story itself is that already... doesn't change the story of the film. Yeah. yeah, like the film is still that. And there's there's certainly Robeson's character maybe lost an amount of autonomy within the edits, but he is still. Uh, I mean, it's in the it's in the title of the fucking movie, right, even right. like the movie's called Sanders of the River, and it's a it's not about it's not e- like even the fucking title of the movie has been colonial has been like colonized. Yeah. So Sanders moved to Britain because he couldn't get uh, good work in the U.S. Uh, 
actor, you know, we've talked about this in the previous episodes, acting opportunities for African-American men in the U.S. were made mammy uh well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that that documentary, the documentary on this talks about the fact that like right. literally a year later we're making Jericho right in the UK and we're making uh what I forget the name of that um the movie they compared it to. Now my brain broke the <laughs> Shirley Temple movie. Oh, the, yes. The one. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, those are a year either, apart yes. in the in the universe. Yeah. So, yeah, America listen, American film at the time and we're still what years before Gone with the Wind here, right? You know, yeah, and Gone with yeah. the Wind is is <sighs> is this same idea? It yeah. is it is pro American exceptionalism, white American exceptionalism, in the same way that this is pro pro uh, European colonialism, you know. Gone with the Wind is a deeply racist film. And this is a deeply racist yeah. film. Uh, Sanders thought he was getting into something good. Uh, you mean Robeson? Robeson, yeah. Yeah, I don't Sanders, know. Yeah. yeah. Sanders, yeah. I, I did that. I, I have had that problem, too. I do not know why I think Robeson's name should also be Sanders. Yeah. Uh, but I do <laughs> because crazy. he should be the star of this movie. Yeah, um, I mean, I, in, in, in your brain does this really yeah. weird thing where it's like, well, I mean, maybe his name is Sanders. Yeah. That works. Robeson thought he was making something good, and and Zoltan Korda, uh, and we'll see other films from Korda too, because uh, the Korda and and his older his brothers were uh, they were all they had a lot of hands in European film through through this era. Um, but Robeson thought with Corda that they were going to make, and he'd sat down with Corda, they were going to make something good. Robeson was very interested in a positive, accurate portrayal of African culture. Corda had traveled through Africa, and we see some of this in the film, doing documentary, uh, anthropological style uh, uh, recordings of native activity. Of, of tribal dances and traditional life. And they thought that, you know, they got together. I don't know. I, there is some stuff in the essay that accompanies this, uh, this set of films from the Criterion. There is some stuff that suggests, um, that maybe Robeson was tricked into making this film. And I don't think I don't think Zorda is tricking him. I think I think Robeson had a had higher hopes than perhaps he should yeah. have. And and the documentary in this film even like yeah. like even his son tries to put that to bed. Like, right. Like Robson's no dummy. Right. Like he didn't like you didn't somebody he didn't, didn't get pull a fast one on. Right. Him. Yeah, I mean he did it because of the reason why people take work that they don't necessarily want to do desperately. It's like this is a chance to do something a little bit, maybe by like, right. like if your choice is not working and not trying to spread your message at all, or trying yeah. to do a little bit through something that you don't love, it's you know, it's an understandable like compromise to make. Right, he seems to have made. Right, um, Robeson thinks I, he's. I, I buy into that. Ultimately, it seems like Robeson thinks he's making a film where his uh, chief character will be portrayed on equal political footing with Sanders, and that is obviously not what the final film is. Um, and that is mostly if not entirely British censors saying, no, you got to do this. And it comes out, it comes out on, you know, an anniversary year of British imperialism too. Right. So, so like everything, everything is celebrating British imperialism. And then Sanders comes out and like, no, you gotta, you gotta do it this way. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's all dumb. Um, one thing I noticed while watching this, and and actually Sanders, or, 
one thing I noticed while watching this, and actually Robeson points out in in his uh, sort of uh, pre pre shooting praise of the idea of this film, uh, the portrayal of African culture in this, uh, the two ladies who were the first dance group that we see, the, the one lady's got her her uh, back straight toward the camera. They're literally just doing the Charleston. <laughs> Yeah, and and uh, Robeson Robeson talks about that and, and how we'll see how we'll see in this movie uh, the uh, the uh, goodness the ancestry of culture and that you know he even names the Charleston as as the dance that that they're doing, uh, but also I feel like. I feel like if I were an African tribe and Corda's film crew showed up and said, hey, uh, do, a, do a traditional dance or something. We want to record you. you start doing the Charleston. <laughs> and I just like, start hey, doing Let's the fuck with this guy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, but, other, the other thing about it, a thing I want to bring up, though, that I, I, I want to, like, take a step back, though. Yeah. Because you brought up an interesting point, is that, like, he, uh, I forget the name of our of our director, but um, we're talking about sort of, like, these sort of, Zoltological videos, and st- yeah. <laughs> it's a great name. So, I it is a great name. Um, but like, a problem that I see immediately inside of that is that, from my experience, my knowledge, like my knowledge from what I studied in university, is that especially European anthropology is born intensely from colonialism. Like, yes, American is a little bit. Because American is 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 post revision, like it's a, it's post, it's it's already kind of postmodern, even when it forms, uh, in the sense that like there we're, we've already gone through at least one reckoning at that point. Mm-hmm. But like when you're dealing with um, when you're dealing with European anthropology, what you're dealing with is well, the only way we can properly rule these people is to understand them. Yes, like which is already a broken. Uh, methodology to to approach it from, and and it and it's not actually about understanding them as people necessarily, um, as much as it is about understanding them as subjects. It's about trying to like it automatically fundamentally comes from a place of believing that they are fundamentally different than you are, mm-hmm. um, and that and that's one of the things you get later on in more modern anthropology is the idea that well they're all people, so we need to treat them as such. We need to address them from the standpoint well these are all people like what do these people do that are different than the other people that we are not not rather than like treating them as a wholly separate uh almost basically a separate species which is yeah. the way uh, a lot of european anthropology even at this time right approach right. things right. uh and 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 so like yeah i mean this person seems to have had a good heart in the sense that like he he valued what they had to offer, but it was that was even still in and of itself a form of cultural appropriation, right? Like he's going in with a video camera to record this stuff, bring it back to Europe, and be like, and and put it on display, right? Like, it, it, you you get into this problem of like, and then later on, anthropology has to deal with this more deeply. The idea that like, well, like that's not right. You don't own it because you went and filmed it. You don't own it because, like, you wrote about it, right? right. Like, it's still and this think person's of, culture. Think of even 20 years later with Renoir's The River, the film about uh, India and Indian culture that right. Renoir made that we watched, you know, a year or so ago. You know, it's the same the same thing, right? You think, even, even if you think you're being respectful, you're still portraying it in a... With a European, it's eye. very European centric. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and like, it, it, and you, in like, you know, you can do it at different levels of bad. Yeah, but the reality of the matter is, is that you're still there. Whenever you do that, you you fall immediately prey to exoticism and and a lot of other things that are that are just plain gross, yeah. right? And like, and and I understand, like, but even like when you were, we were watching that the documentary associated with this. The phrasing and the terminology of that still shows up in the descriptions of this project, and even, even of the project of Jericho. Yeah. In that, like, it's like I want to. I I learned about African culture. I want to share it, and it's like, well, it's not actually yours to share. Yeah. Like 
not really, not fundamentally. Like it's theirs to share, and if they choose to share it through you, right? That's that's fine. Like you, they can use you as a conduit, and that was the problem with with the river that we you just mentioned. Right. And uh, it's like they didn't they didn't they didn't hunt you down and say, hey, by the way, we'd like to get our culture out there. Could you help us with this? Yeah. You decided to go in and take it, and and and, and, some, and I don't think something Rob like that did bad, happen with but, the river. There were there was some of that going on with the river. Yeah, but, and we've talked about, and yeah. they, and some of those guys became some of the people involved became right. legitimately successful filmmakers of their own. Yeah, who then got you know, and I understand that, and th- and that's why I'm saying it's all in shades, right? Yeah. Like, right. This is this is much like, for example, when we get into Jericho, this is much less exploitative than previous works that have dealt that have right. dealt with Africa right. in film, like even right. even the movie we watched right before it. Right. Um, but it is still. I mean, and then then we can get into the fact that like the 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 because it's ropes in, and this is a function of of needing him to be the titular, the the main character of the film. Yeah, you get this sort of weird effect, like the strange like net effect of like, oh, well, it's about this well educated like guy who comes in and leads these people, but like he can't just be from there. Right, right. He's the Jericho, outsider the Jericho thing still still has a little bit of American exceptionalism to it too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But and then Sanders of the River has it too because he's from Liberia. He's presumably if memory serves when I watch He was it, educated um, in Liberia. I think he's I think he, the character is meant to be a local tribesman. It was very vague because, like, I feel like it sounded like he was from Liberia and then is an escaped convict from Liberia. Maybe. And was educated not even Liberia, but it sounded like he was educated, uh, yeah, maybe in Liberia. But, like, I, it, it, still had the, it still had the impression to it of, like, well, the only reason this person is a, is a natural leader and a, and a, and, and charismatic, um, intelligent leader of this people is because of his interaction with the West. Right, right. He's not, he's not that of his own accord. And in fact, the only other strong leader that we get in there that is not because does not the result of that is the bad guy. Right. Who it it goes from sounding like he's like who progressively over the course of the, of the story becomes more and more petty and 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 honestly, like the writing makes him get stupider over time. Yeah, yeah, because he starts off for, like very fierce and like very like ah oh, he's a he's a formidable foe, and by the time we get to the end, he's kind of a joke character. Yeah. It's very weird. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. So that's the end of this podcast. <laughs> well, background background on Sanders <laughs> is interesting then because it it had so much more promise. Like that documentary accompanying this talks, you know, Ropes and Son and 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 others uh, talk about you know how uh, it had the support of the African, Asian, and Indian student organizations within England. That it, uh, you know, the just the sheer payment of uh, the extras that were drawing from those groups uh, would keep would keep the movement going for months, if not years. Right. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So the story is Robeson goes back to the U.S. to shoot Showboat while the editing's taking place. And his first experience seeing the final product is at the premiere. And early enough in the film that he could leave and be convinced to come back before the film ends. So I'm betting at that first title card. <laughs> yeah, no, and I get that. And 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 that like obviously I yeah. get why that first title yeah. card because that's that isn't that was an easy thing that they just right. jammed in there. Robeson, like we know that that was an extra thing they added in. Robeson says to his wife, "Oh, I'm going to go use the restroom." And goes home. <laughs> and Yeah. And uh, and she realizes that he's not coming back and, and goes back to the apartment and convinces him to stay by pointing out that all of the actual African performers who are in this movie are still staying. And, you know, he can't think of himself as more African than, than the Africans, which is a very interesting critique given the plot of Jericho. Right? Right. <laughs> uh, right. Well, but, uh, but you know, yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh and Jericho is obviously. Like, I mean, 
Jericho's the right. superior film, period. And and uh, and Robeson has creative control in Jericho. Uh, he's telling the story he wants to say. And there's a lot of good in that story. But still, in a in the course of that story, there is a valid reading that it is about an African-American American, a black American who is coming to Africa and is the better leader than the uh, combined forces of all these other Bedouins, right? Right. And and I think a lot of that comes from, uh, like, honestly, they could have not made that movie that, like, the, the one of the sad parts about Jericho is the fact that, like, the story could stand without him becoming the leader of that organization. Right, right. Like the story would work fine. He could just be the physician now in town who is important, but not like <clears throat> the leader of the town. You know what I mean? Like, and he's not exactly. He gets appointed for that one because the 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 one. You know, I mean, it tries. I think that movie tries very hard to not be that thing. Uh, yes, because like he's he's only asked to do that in this one in in one circumstance. He's not made into the leader. leader. Right, right, right. Uh, there's another person who is the leader. Leader. Right. Um, and that's, so that's, I mean, a lot of that is good. I mean, there's, you just still get the problem of like this guy who washed up on shore essentially is somehow already better than all. Now we can, we can see a lot of different aspects to that. There's a lot of sides to that coin. In fact, you know, because we do have the, the outsider washes up on shore and becomes savior of the people, but also member of the diaspora, diaspora accepted by uh, the people he was broken apart from generations ago. Great. Yeah, I mean, and, there's, I mean, there's a lot of versions back of that. In. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Outsider who uh, was oppressed in his home country, who is accepted by these people so much so that he becomes a leader. That's that's the story of Joseph yeah. in the Bible, right? Yeah, I mean, there's you a know? yeah, that's, absolutely. And, and and even if you even if without even a even at face value, like, again, we get into the fact that, like, it's like, well, guy who, like, presumably any 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 old doctor who washed up on shore would be a valuable asset to this community. And the fact that it is that that person is African-American makes it all the more sort of like he can't practice medicine. Right. In the States, essentially. Right. Like, he, like we know as an audience member, even now. That basically that's almost impossible for him to do, right? Like given the nature of American society, like that's. But here, particularly he at the, the time. opportunity to practice his skill, absolutely. And at the at um, the time, there were only two medical schools in the entire country. Exactly, exactly. We're accepting, and, that's, and that's a really we're valuable point. Yeah, black uh, black students, right? So yeah, uh, well, and there and the, yeah, I mean, well, it was actually basically banned at the time. Right. Um, they there was that whole I forget I read that article and oh, yeah there was an article this week on on just that wasn't yeah, there? And, and, yeah. and it was really fascinating yeah. about that that whole that whole story and and like either way my the point being like there's a lot of readings but it's a Jericho is better in a lot of ways including ideologically but it is still it's still a little dangerous just because like he just because whenever you do outsider comes into a community yeah stories no matter what the community is you run that risk and if especially it can't as a follow-up to a film about that time yeah. like cranked up to 11 it's still a rough road to hoe right um you yeah. there is a certain danger of a confrontation of a white savior narrative with a western character who maybe isn't white but is still a, a stand-in for white culture Western right, culture. because like, and yeah, I don't, exactly. I don't think, a, I don't, a problem. I don't accuse Jericho of that. I think there's a reading of Jericho where you could say that, but but I think Jericho stays away from that well enough. Uh, I, I think I it does a, it does a passable about. job yeah. of it. I I think it is. I think it it flies very very close to the sun. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, for something that like with, that has a very good heart. Yeah, I, it, but it, it is it is. There is also there's also in Jericho, you know, part of the other half of, of that narrative is uh that you have to be saving uh natives who don't don't know their you know, 
don't know their ass from a hole in the ground, right? You know, who are idiots. Right. And yeah, I mean, this this society is functioning without Jericho, and then he shows up, and it it functions slightly better with him. Right, exactly, and and, and keep in mind, I and mean, you get it. I mean, this and this can kind of get weirdly turtles all the way down, yeah. sort of thing, because. Why is that society having trouble functioning? Well, that's the result of colonialism in and of itself, right? They don't have access to any supplies because any supplies that they could have had access to have been funneled off by colonial regimes that, like, have basically intentionally impoverished them. Keep in mind where we are in the world at that point in time, you know, it's... it it's just it can get it, it can get very complicated to process this film. You, you know, it yeah. kind of does some weird recursion where it starts becoming almost too much to handle. Yeah, uh, mentally. Yeah, uh, but whereas Sanders of the River doesn't have that problem because Sanders of the River is it's just, just bad. It's just bad. Yeah. yeah, Jericho Jericho does a lot of good. Um, you know, one for for the meatiness of the role Jericho is playing. You know, he's uh, Robeson's character. Is uh, you know he's an anti-hero essentially, right? You know, and right. he he runs, and it's it's almost it's <laughs> Jericho plays so close to the Emperor Jones, it's ridiculous, right? Yeah, you know, accidental murder, runs away from punishment, ends up leader, but Jericho is good guy, whereas Emperor Jones is wholly selfish. And uh, and only cares about himself. Jericho has altruistic uh, tendencies throughout the film, right? Right, and and Jericho, and then and one of the things that Jericho has going for it is that, like Jericho, fundamentally in the in the plot of the movie, so primary goal is to just sort of keep his head down right. and do medicine, right? Like that's his ultimate goal in right. life. And yeah, things get a little like spin a little bit out from there. In terms of like, well, the guy who can do medicine and 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 keep his head down is also just like, seems like a pretty swell dude who, yeah, you know, and we all kind of like him. He's and and, and it is much more mild mannered, whereas you know, Emperor Jones is you know Emperor Jones, right? Like it, it's not that at all, right? He sets himself up as a god king, right? Right, right. Uh, you know, and the and the beginning of Jericho, we see a breadth of. African American experience, even within the soldiers in that on that boat, right? Yeah, the, all kinds of different people, all kinds of different backgrounds, all kinds of different ideologies uh, represented there. Yeah, um, I will say one problem with the uh, with the uh, Jericho as doctor and therefore prized. I find it hard to believe that the Bedouin community did not have. You're a nomadic community. I don't know much about Bedouin medicine, but I'm pretty sure broken bones are a thing they deal with on a normal basis. Oh, absolutely. So. Yeah, I'm sure. And that that is a problem. But, like, I feel like, and I might be way off base here because I don't remember the exact title. I feel like they gave an excuse for why they specifically couldn't deal with it. Maybe. Like, maybe. like and, that, and, that's, and I think that's where one of those things where, like, you can go into a weird sort of spiral because, like, Presumably, yeah, they absolutely do know how to treat do medicine because bear in mind that like a lot of modern medicine was preserved in those communities right. during the during the dark ages right. in Europe. Right. Uh, like a lot of fairly advanced modern medicine was preserved there uh, more much more uh, carefully, uh, and 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 that so that's a whole other thing. But like. Again, you you could chalk that up to colonialism is all you would really need to do, right? Like, oh, colonialism meant that we could no longer just train doctors at the way we want to. There's a lot of, you know, who knows, right? Uh, there's a million excuses for that kind of stuff, right? Uh, can't access medicine because that's not a thing we're allowed to just, like, get. Yeah. It's reserved. It's like, because you, you, I mean, you know, I don't have much experience with this part, like colonialism from this area of the world, but part of keeping people oppressed is limiting the their right. access to even their own knowledge about, like, how to take care of themselves and stuff. They need to be wholly reliant upon but, you. But also, even if you have that knowledge, limiting access to uh, supplies, to 
Let me ask this with supplies. Yeah, so right. even if even if some of you have that, I mean, keep in mind, Jericho also showed up with medicine. Right. Not right. a lot, but apparently enough for them to but get enough. by for a while. Right. And that and that could be a part of the story that we're not exactly. Yeah. And part of part of the whole account. plan to unionize the Bedouin tribes uh, to uh, to protect themselves and get better prices when they get to market is to buy more medicine. So, right. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. It again, you know, it plays back into this is the outsider come in who's telling you how to do your business better and is better at medicine than you apparently and and but also he's just a well supplied yeah. and you know he's he's well and he's educated to share does it not with mean, you without yeah. yeah yeah him being well educated does not mean that no one there no one else there is well educated right but um right but then again like again we get we get to play around with that because even if they aren't well educated is that like we have to get escape the assumption that that is their of their own choice or that is their own right Right. there's also that like you know there's a there's a reason why like you know those stereotypes tend to spiral out of control right because uh you know the british roll into a place assume these people are all you know savages and then oh well we can't teach them so right you know it's sort of it becomes very cyclical there Um, right these two these people are too dumb to learn from us is, is a common sort of refrain of colonialism right Right. The female lead, uh, her character name is Gara, uh, the woman who becomes uh, Jericho's wife. Uh, she is credited as Princess Koaku, or Koaka, rather. Koka, maybe? K-O-U-K-A. I, I don't... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Also, also, look at the American cover of Jericho, Dark Sands, on Wikipedia. Everyone on there is um, so totally whitewashed. <laughs> It looks I, like I have, it looks like work, a Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. Like who are the characters? Who are the men there? Well, I've made a terrible mistake because Jericho's <laughs> a bajillion things. Yes, Jericho, nineteen thirty-seven. You're going to need to do to find. Anyway, uh. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> who are all these people? <laughs> right. Right. Like, maybe that's her. She was fairly light-skinned, but also. Uh, anything. Interesting thing about her, she was born Tahia Ibrahim Bilal. Uh, she is frequently credited as Princess Koka or, or just Koka. Uh, she was born in Egypt, uh, but she's of Sudanese Arab descent, uh, which means she's definitely not Torig. Um, but... Uh, playing a Tauric princess here. So there is kind of that uh, all North Africa is the same sort of thing. Uh, Sudan right. Sudan gets into, you know. I don't know what her parentage is, but she's very light-skinned for, for Sudanese Arab as well, right? Uh, but, yeah. Um, she... Uh, she was raised in Egypt. She got into acting and uh, apparently did a lot of uh, a lot of British films through the way, which is how she ends up here. But again, you know, it's it's that same sort of inherent racism in filmmaking that that one African is as good as any other African, one Hispanic is as good as any other Hispanic. Right? Yeah, so. I mean, you get that. I mean, it. I the one thing I will credit for that in general is that rule is is global yeah in the sense that like that rule literally applies to to everybody right uh, i don't know if that makes it better but it applies across literally every possible nationality and race in 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 the world basically yeah. uh i think it, it is more offensive when it goes like when it gets because that can get weirder, right? Like it can get much, much weirder than just that, right? Where you start conflating, like a, a thing that happens not irregularly is like, ah, well, we have this, we know this actor who is who's Hispanic, and he looks Asian enough, or something along those lines, and you get that sort of stuff happening too, and um, it's all a problem, but I, it's. I, you know, it's it, we have you know you have to wonder, right? Because like, 
at this point, they're, they're the sort of film crew's idea of like, how many actors do they know from North Africa is essentially right. without without going full like uh, like um, European like new wave like and just picking out random dudes they meet on the street. Uh, there's always that sort of problem too. I think um, this is probably not a career choice that many people were pursuing uh, in a majority of the world at the time, right? Right. Um, so I think you know, I mean I give them credit for. It could be much worse, like in the grand right. schemes of the things. Like it could be a lot worse. Um, Considering we're not we're not really that far away from the f- silent film adaptation of Uncle Tom's Uncle Tom's Cabin, where half the slaves were played by white people. Uh, that's exactly my point. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. my point. My my point being that like things could be so yeah. much, and we are worse. definitely we are definitely still in a time where white actors are playing. African roles in blackface. I mean, to be fair, we're, we're we're decades we're away from that today. ending. Yeah, yeah, we we um, are we are we are we are in a we are in a mutated form of that time. Yes, right. We are right. in its in its in its mutated great grandchild. Right. Um, but yeah, like it's it's. I mean, Jericho has a lot going for it. It yeah. really it really really does, and and. Yeah. And even I, I, and even I before we get to accomplishes. even before we get to Africa, Jericho as a character is hyper competent, right? He gets that yes. he gets that ship sailing by himself. I I he, and I think that is an important feature is that like that as a character type is so even in modern cinema rare that right. it is this is it, that alone makes this one of the most valuable valuable movies in the world. That in a, in a certain no, way of understanding, right? That adventurer archetype, hyper competent, strong, intelligent. To have a black man play that character—that's what I'm saying. Is it, that's my point. Is it like? Is, but having yeah. that now is almost to have a black of. man play that character now would be would be out of the ordinary. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would Absolutely. be so out of the ordinary that it would be. It would. I mean. I don't know. I can't even conceive of what the response was at the time of this film, right? From from like just the sort of general audience. Uh, but even even now, that would earn very specific, very clear remark from the sort of society, right? Like even right. in our modern era, like like I mean, all you have to do is look at something like the success and and the what happened with Black Panther, right? Where a superhero, like a film that focused on a, an African superhero being so like, think about how much remark that got from society. Right. Right. And that's a function of it being so rare. Right. Uh, like, yeah, the, the, the but like a hyper competent adventurer archetype for, Really, anybody other than a European uh, white guy is hyper out of the ordinary, right? It just right. so, and that that makes it amazing. That makes it amazing that 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 makes this movie feel even modern now, right? Right. right. And politically, you know, we we talk about this being you know Westerner comes in and saves them, but also at the time. Uh, and Robeson, Robeson's rise in consciousness about the struggles of, of Africans uh, in post-colonialism and, and still dealing with colonialism in, in the 30s. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. The, the idea of uh, the African diaspora, the, the descendants of, of slaves in America, uh, returning to Africa not as not because they're getting kicked out of the U.S. as as had been a a standard even then, uh, the uh, American colonization societies who founded Liberia, Liberia and uh, yeah. wanted Liberia to be the place where we could send all the black people to get them out of the U.S. Uh, you know, those still existed through the through the mid century, mid twentieth century. I- 
but uh, but this is there is also the rise of an African consciousness within uh, African American society in the U.S. Uh, a rise of recognizing Africa as a uh, cultural force and as uh, something worth emulating. You know, so much, so much of the even pro-Liberia arguments in the early 19th century, even coming from people like uh, uh, Douglas or uh, you know, Africa's backwards. You know, anti anti library arguments where Africa's backwards. We don't want to go to Africa, from from plenty of right. plenty of Black Americans uh, in the nineteenth century. Uh, so you know, in the twentieth century, we get that that unity of all uh, people of color and all all Black people around the world, um, and the rise in that ideology. And this is an aspect of that too. And that is that is a cultural good here, an ideological right. good within Jericho as well. And it's something he tried in Sanders and was still quashed. Right. Right. So, so yeah, there's, there's so much good and Jericho is, is a great movie. Uh, and we, we do it a disservice to, to not point out that he did successfully get, uh, one aspect of the film changed that he, he definitely disagreed with. Um, not changed quite as much as he wanted to, but the, the clever, undermining of what the censors tried to push onto them yeah, was, was Robeson's yeah, idea really... as well. Yeah. So originally this film was to end with the captain uh, taking Ro- uh, taking Jericho back to stand trial and to clear the captain's name. And there was a plane crash that killed Jericho in the desert because this black murderer had to die within the narrative to be justified. Uh, Robeson came back and said, no, he's not leaving. He doesn't want to leave his family. He doesn't want to leave his life. Uh, he has made good. He has, he has uh, redeemed himself through his work. He's not leaving. But the censors wouldn't let that fly. Right. right? I mean, it was, it was basically a specific rule that you couldn't right. have... You, you can't have... If, if was it like if 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 a black person murders somebody in the story they can't or I forget exactly what the rule. I mean, Hayes, they can't they can't Hayes Code, whatever, and we, right? we might still even be a little prior to Hayes uh, here. I can't never remember a timeline on Hayes Code, but Hayes Code essentially said murderous villains can't go un- unpunished, regardless of race. Period. Murderous villains can't go right. unpunished. Uh, doubly so if it's if it's a black guy, uh, but. Uh, um, Robeson, as what we see in the end, Robeson wrote that scene, is that uh, Jericho is perfectly willing and wants to go back to take responsibility for what he's done and the, uh, the uh, waves of effect from what he's done that have ruined a friend of his life as well. Uh, right. And, uh, and instead, the captain seems to make the decision to leave ropes in behind, to leave Jericho right. behind. Uh, which yeah, puts, I mean, it's basically a loophole, right? Like, right, because oh, it well, puts that made, decision in the white character's hands, right? So right. so I guess it works out. Which, which honestly, though, the way the whole thing works out is, is pretty good, honestly. Yeah. Like, I mean, from a story perspective, I don't, I don't despise the idea that Jericho would feel such empathy for his friend oh, right. that he would right. want. You know what I mean? That doesn't feel and the like way a it, terrible ending right. And anyway. the way it plays so, out, it is the captain putting a finite, for sure, forgiveness onto Jericho. Absolutely. For the situation, yeah, exactly. too. Right? So, yeah. No, story-wise, it, it plays very well. I, I Yeah, it, and then to the point ending. where, like, if I had not known that from yeah. the documentary, I... It would be, it's like, yeah, this just makes sense. This right. is just a good, right. pretty, a well-crafted story a well as far as that's concerned. It is a much better crafted story than they fly away to safety and then immediately crash and Jericho dies. 
That's a dumb ending. Yeah, to this that, movie. yeah, I don't like that ending at all. I'm not sure why that would be the like the uh, uh, an ending you would even put on this movie. Right. It's really like like if you, if you wanted to ruin the movie, that's what you would put right. on this. I found the perfect way to ruin this excellent movie. Yeah, I'm going to end it with an uh, an unexpected plane crash. Yeah. <laughs> Not great. What a weird ending that would it be. Would have been, Boy, that would be a really unsatisfying movie. Incredibly Boy, so. Yes. You'd be like, what the fuck just happened? Um, do like an hour and a half of this and then like, oh, and then the plane crash. I do. I do really, really like just as another take back, take that to the entire idea of Sanders. I really, really love that within the narrative of Jericho, the anthropologist decide to get permission before they start filming. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's it's pretty great yeah. actually. It's very uh these are these are these are relatively progressive right. uh right. anthropologists that roll into town, honestly speaking. Um at first I was scared to death of them. Right. Because when they roll up and they're talking about the Campbells, I'm like, oh, oh bad guys. <laughs> Like, I don't know what's going to happen here, but this is not going to go well. And it's like, oh, we're just a bunch of weirdos. Yes. We, can we film all your shit? Uh, it's, it's pretty great. Do you have any bugs that our friend can look at? Yeah, our, our even weirder <laughs> yes. friend can hang out with. Uh, yeah, no, I, I actually, that was kind of fascinating because, I mean, they still do this. They do eventually do the, you know, the, the net result. Part of the, the plot is their yeah. sort of appropriation. But they do... It, it is, it is on the grand scale of of right. that sort of thing. Better than well, we just showed up and started filming you guys. Right, right. Didn't actually ask you about it. Yeah. So, uh, it's a uh, it's a complicated picture, yeah, but it's a good picture. I mean, Sanders I, is, I enjoyed it. Sanders I, is I just a bad picture. <laughs> yeah, Sanders of the River is just terrible. Yeah, it is just it is an abomination. Yeah. Um. It is a, it is it taken in the with the right perspective a funny abomination in the sense that it is just so abysmal that it, it like yeah. something could almost cross the threshold into just being comedically bad. Yes. Uh it, it, it but it is it is a force for evil in the world for sure. And to be fair to Sanders, the the portions of it that are uncommented on uh anthropological video <laughs> Uh, that's good stuff, you know. The actual like portrayal. Yeah, I mean, it's good. It's good. I mean, we get in. I mean, it's of always African culture. It's 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 good. It's I mean, good it's that nice. such a film could still expose actual African culture, right? Even as it hems it inside right. of something terrible. Right. Right. So, yeah. Uh, as as Robeson said about Sanders, you do the garbage, you don't look back. You use your clout to make something better. It's essentially right. his words via his son, uh, and that's and what that, he does. And, I, and right. that's why I think we should. And and that is what Sanders is. Is that? And, and I think that's a reasonable argument to make. Absolutely, absolutely. Sanders is is the garbage he had to do to know what he had to do in the future, and to know that right. You know, he uh, he couldn't just automatically trust well-meaning associates right because right you know i'm sure they, well, i'm mean, sure yeah, at first even if they're well-meaning they're right. not going to go to bat against right. them i'm sure the, maybe when the when the censors first came back corda said no but corda still played ball with them right and he wasn't yeah, he absolutely. wasn't going to play ball with he wasn't going to hard line against them right so right so yeah uh fascinating pair of films uh Sanders is just so bad, but it need we need to see the bad, right? No, in it, order to it understand is this entire super important yeah. for this movie, yeah, yeah. In order to, to understand the entire box set and to understand uh, Robeson's career, we need to see Sanders. Uh, but it is, it is such a phenomenally bad movie. Yeah. Oh goodness, you jerks. Uh, Robeson also described Sanders in 1938 as the only film of mine that could be shown in Italy or Germany. 
because it shows the Negro as fascist states desire him, savage and childish. Right. Uh, there is a, a story unconfirmed, but a Robeson biographer uh, suggested that uh, he was so disillusioned with the film that he attempted to buy every print of it to keep it from being shown uh, unsuccessfully, obviously. But uh, Sounds very apocryphal, though. <laughs> also obviously. sounds a little apocryphal, but... Uh, can, considering uh, you know, Paul Robeson Jr. himself does not mention that story about it, seemingly. Yeah. Uh, maybe, a, maybe a bit apocryphal. But yeah. This is uh, a fascinating step in our, bo- in our journey through this box set. Um, that, have been, that has been fascinating steps at every, at every point of this journey, right? Uh, yeah. It's just, uh, it's great. Jericho's great. Yeah. <laughs> and to yeah. see, to see, yeah, this isn't, this gives us context into Robeson's life outside of film, right? And that is, yeah. that is very interesting in this, uh, in this whole set too. You know, there's a box set about ropes in, but we, we learn something from these films. You think about other box sets we've seen, like the Casavetas box set. We don't learn a lot about Casavetas by how his movies change. Right, yeah. Because his movies don't really change a lot, right? Well, I mean, I think that that's because I think really, yeah, we Robeson is, is unique in being in a position where he's, he's in a, a, a sort of unique time and place where, right. like, he society he has to push against society right. to grow and 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 yeah it, it yeah it's it's been interesting i'm excited to see the next couple of films because they're gonna i think show us even more right. right next week uh we'll finish up the box set with uh the disc title uh citizen of the world which is actually the uh it's the name of a biography written about Robeson by uh, Shirley Graham Du Du Bois, who is W.E.B. Du Bois' wife um, from 1951 to 63. Uh, And she wrote that. The films we'll be watching within that are The Proud Valley, a film uh, Robeson made in 1940 in Britain, I believe his last British film, um, but very very much a pro-labor movie. And then a 1942 documentary called Native Land, uh, narrated, narrated by Robeson, um, about, uh, about labor movements in the U S. Uh, so yeah, both of those are going to be very interesting too, right? Yeah. I'm excited for the, so after Jericho, uh, Robeson only made a couple more films, the proud Valley, one of them and tales of Manhattan, in 1942, he went back to the U.S. and he gave uh, gave Hollywood one more chance, and they cast him as a sharecropper, and he wasn't very happy with that. And then he didn't make right. any more narrative films. Uh, yeah, Henry Fonda in that movie as well. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I've never seen it. Can't speak to its to its. Uh, it's got a huge cast, and it's called Tales of Manhattan, presumably some sort of anthology thing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Robeson hated the experience enough that he never made another narrative film. So right. <laughs> I imagine, as uh, as fans of Robeson now, we would not be terribly into Pleased. Yeah, I'm sure. yeah. that film. Uh, but next week, it will be his final film in Britain, uh, The Proud Valley. And the documentary Native Land as part of Citizen of the World. The final piece of the Paul Robeson box set that we've been working our way through this month. Look forward to those and we look forward to seeing you again. Thank you once again for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, Leon Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Otari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time.
You've been listening to Lost in Criterion, hosted by John Patrick Oatari-Gorgan and the Adam Class, who edits it. We're a production of WithTwoBrains.com. Jonathan Hape does the music. Check him out at JonathanHape.BandCamp.com. And hey, if you like us, why don't you give us a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and support us on Patreon. That's Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. We'd appreciate it.